This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Peter Walker, the editor of FS Tech, and this is our first proper one-on-one interview, this time with an expert in the field of cybersecurity. As IT teams around the globe attempt to transition towards a new normal, the upheaval of that has created opportunities for cyber criminals to exploit. As part of this shift in systems, processes and ways of working, many financial services firms are starting to think about how they will respond, when they will respond rather than if a data breach occurs. This means ensuring that connectivity of teams and networks actually listening to what organizational infrastructure devices can impart about potential weaknesses and making sure response plans are well drilled. Today we're going to explore the idea of acting like you've already been hacked, making the best of existing systems to help save money during the looming recession, sharing tools across teams to enable more efficient threat detection and response, and how to communicate internally and externally when the worst eventually happens. To help me answer my questions, I'm talking today to Ward Cobley, a senior product manager at Viavi Solutions, uh, which is a global provider of network testing, monitoring and assurance solutions. It's fair to say, and hopefully not offensive in any way, that Ward is a veteran of this sector, having been working in different capacities in tech since around 1982. He's been variously a systems engineer, technical consultant, product marketing manager and business development director for the likes of McAfee, Visual Network Systems, Edge Technologies and FileNet, and of course now Viavi Solutions. So, Ward, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Peter. I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Excellent. Well, let's address the kind of elephant in the room first. So how has the threat environment changed since the COVID-19 pandemic took hold? Peter, I think for a fleeting moment in time, there was, at least among some of us, a hope that given the nature of this situation and the impact that it was having on humanity around the globe, that this might be the time when the bad guys would cease and desist with their nefarious activities, or at least ease up a bit. Well, it turns out this was somewhat like hoping that the orcs would lay down their swords and enjoy a nice afternoon tea with the hobbits. It didn't work out that way. In fact, the bad guys proved once and for all that there is no sacred ground. As a group, they have no conscience, no morality, and they will in fact seize every opportunity to exploit anyone and everyone. They'll knock down little Susie and take her kitten from her if they think they can benefit from it in some way. So the reality was that the conditions have been ripe for cyber attacks of all sorts. We had rapid change, we had increased distractions, and this translated into opportunities that criminals were eager to exploit. And I'll kind of give you four examples that I'm thinking of when I say that. Uh, First of all, attacks overall have increased dramatically. Um, If you look back to the months of February and March, for instance, multiple industry sources and analysts stated that online threats rose uh, up to six times or more compared to their usual levels. Uh, To cite a couple specifically, Barracuda Networks reported phishing attempts went up over 600%. Uh, Europol and the European Cybercrime Center, or EC3, 
asserted that there would continue to be an increase in the scope and scale of DDoS attacks along with uh, phishing and, and ransomware campaigns, and we, we have seen that that's proven to be true. The second thing I'd mention, we've seen evidence that new exploits are going to continue to appear almost daily. If you look at some of the information that uh, Google revealed during the early days of the pandemic, they showed a 350% surge in phishing websites appearing Data that was analyzed by Atlas VPN revealed that over 300,000 new websites were created in just the month of March with coronavirus-related keywords. Uh, when John Hopkins University published that map that many of us have seen that showed the spread of the virus, the bad guys were quick to take that map and embed it in their bogus websites to provide this appearance of credibility and then basically surround that map with landmines. When the teleconferencing platform Zoom was seeing this incredible increase in new users, we saw bad actors immediately begin preying on the users that were downloading the software. First, they were found to be distributing uh, bogus installer software that was used to spread a cryptocurrency miner. And then the same technique was used to spread uh, other forms of malware as well. The third thing I'll mention, and, and though it's not directly related to COVID-19, is at the same time that we've been dealing with all of these new challenges, it was reported recently that insider incidents have become a, a even more rapidly growing problem. IBM Security and Ponemon Institute released a report that said the frequency of this type of incident has tripled uh, since 2016. The cost per incident has increased by 77%. And it takes an average of 77 days to contain an insider incident. And this, of course, costs organizations tens of millions of dollars on an annualized basis. And then in a, a separate report, IBM and Ponemon also found that the breach lifecycle, that is the time it takes to uh, from the identification to the controlling of a breach, is now at 279 days. And then lastly, Peter, you know, especially since the, the pandemic outbreak, We've seen clear evidence that our current defenses just aren't keeping up. Now, I'll cite one more source. Uh, it was the Mandiant Security Effectiveness Report for 2020 said that many companies have found a very significant discrepancy between the expected capabilities when it comes to security and the measured results. On average, 53% of the attacks were missed. So that's the environment we find ourselves in. What do we take away from that? Well, there is no sacred ground. The, the cyber criminals will try to capitalize on our fears and anxieties. Uh, they're very good at and will continue to quickly adapt to changing circumstances. So we must be even better. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it with, with remote staff, uh, and tight budgets for the foreseeable future, what, what are the best ways that companies can use what they've already got to stay secure in the future? Well, once upon a time, and this is going back a little ways perhaps for some of us, we had our, I'll call it our informational crown jewels, uh, those informational assets that were most important to our company. They were typically safely locked away in our corporate offices and data centers. And there we likely had some form of stream to disk or you know, packet analysis going on. 
And at our remote sites, many organizations were collecting flow data from their edge routers typically to analyze traffic volumes, traffic patterns, who's talking to whom. So there were two very sound and proven data sources available, packets and flow. Many companies were also using log data or other data sources. We made these necessary investments that allowed us to collect the data and we knew how to analyze those types of data. Well, you know, despite all the change that's occurred for a variety of reasons, those same data sources really continue to be or should continue to be our very best friends. Only now we absolutely need to revisit our monitoring and collection points. Do we still have the same levels of visibility that we had once upon a time? Or do we need to be collecting perhaps those same types of data, but from different places? For example, given the focus on VPN concentrators during the last several months, are we fully leveraging all of the data that those devices can provide? Or what about SD-WAN forwarders that can potentially provide visibility, not just into the traffic headed back to the data centers, but also data headed directly to the internet. What about our, our cloud-based firewalls or cloud-based web proxies? Are we fully taking advantage of the data that they can provide? We have the data sources available. We know how to analyze this data, but are we still taking full advantage of it? Are we still looking and listening in the right places? Yeah, I mean, when when you're talking to kind of potential clients, I would assume quite a lot of um, the bosses want to take a, a zero tolerance approach to these kind of things. But so so the idea of assuming you've already been breached and kind of working from there will be quite a mindset mindset um, shift for for many. How, how do you convince potential clients to rethink their strategy? Well, when we say act like you've been hacked. Uh, to be clear, I'm not talking about uh, specifically something like breach attack simulation, right? That's a that's a thing that many organizations are doing. It's a good thing. It's a proactive thing. We certainly encourage that. But I'm actually talking about something a little bit different in terms of that mindset, as you said. It's this shift that says uh, no matter how much we've invested to protect and defend the perimeter, we have to give careful thought to how we'll respond when not if the breach does occur. Hoping that it won't happen to me isn't a strategy. Now, one look at the headlines will convince you of that. If it hasn't happened yet, it will. Now is the time, if you haven't already, to look at where your corporate crown jewels are tucked away and carefully think through how they might be accessed and how that information could be exfiltrated. Then we compare the output of that thoughtful exercise to our current monitoring and analysis capabilities and visibility. When the breach occurs, do I have the instrumentation in place that will allow me to see exactly what happened, um, both to prevent further occurrence and to accurately document the impact? Part of our thought exercise here is how can the NetOps and SecOps teams effectively collaborate to analyze the available data and 
efficiently devise a remediation strategy and put it into, pla into place. Uh, think about those breach lifecycle numbers I mentioned earlier, uh, the number of, of days of dwell time. It should become abundantly clear that we must do this now. We simply cannot, uh, we simply can't afford not to. Yeah, and I guess once once you've then have, uh, kind of reevaluated the approach to cyber threats, what about this kind of proactive planning for when the big hack does eventually come? How how can companies turn a potential PR disaster into a, an opportunity to build trust with uh, with with customers? Yeah, I love this one because we we've, we've certainly seen both, haven't we? The the PR disaster and the opportunity to build trust. In fact, let's play that out a little bit. Let's think about two scenarios. Uh, scenario A, and we've seen this, is a company gets called out in the media. They're exposed for having been breached. Um, then, you know, eventually some company spokesperson eventually confirms that some data has been compromised very vaguely. They, uh, they admit to this, but little else is said. Then everything goes quiet. What usually happens to that company? How do their investors react? How do their customers react? How is their brand and reputation affected? Now, let's think through scenario B. A company proactively announces they take control of the situation, right? They announce there has been a breach that we have identified. They then document exactly what was compromised. They provide details on the amount and type of information that was exfiltrated. They detail the steps that have been taken to lock down the issue and prevent further occurrences. They notify their customers of the steps that they need to take and the resources that have been made available to them. Will there still be an impact in terms of PR? Absolutely, there's no getting around that. But will it be anywhere near as bad as scenario A? Absolutely not. But in order to make scenario B happen, the better outcome, you have to have the forensic data needed to see every step the attackers took, every file or record that they touched, every bit of data that they moved outside the network. You need effectively court admissible evidence, not a general idea of what might have occurred. And that's where packet-based forensic data and enriched flow data uh, can provide the the needed visibility and also give you the ability to to provide clear documentation of the event. Yeah, it's it's clearly about um, taking control of the situation rather than having it take control of you, isn't it? Well said. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to try and make this a kind of institution for for, for the FS Tech podcast. But to to finish on a, on a future-facing question, I suppose in in this um, perspective. Let's go with kind of how can organizations prepare for whatever the, the new normal post-COVID, whatever that is, uh, how can organizations prepare for, for whatever that means? Yeah, whatever that means. So first of all, I guess I'd like to acknowledge the amazing job that so many companies have already done in responding to completely unprecedented changes. Many of our customers have shared absolutely inspiring stories of how they were able to immediately respond and adapt and maintain business continuity as literally overnight we saw these radical shifts in 
where our users were located, how they worked, how the traffic flowed across the network, a huge spike in the use of collaboration platforms or uh, RDP traffic for remote desktop sessions or VPN concentrator load, whatever the case may be, just well done. And have confidence that since you survived this, you can survive whatever happens next, but don't just settle for surviving the next wave of change, whatever it may look like. You have a chance now, hopefully, to catch your breath. Make sure you've closed up those gaps that may have been created when, for instance, all your users started working from home on non-secured devices. Don't use these massive change events to separate you from your best practices when it comes to security and monitoring and analysis. To the extent you can, think through the possibilities for your organization. What happens if we all stay home for an extended period or indefinitely? What happens if we have a gradual return, which many places are seeing now? What happens if we have a more rapid return? There may not be a quote unquote normal again. Change may in fact be the only constant. So let's learn from this adventure that we've all been on together and have confidence that you're more ready than ever to adapt when that becomes necessary again. Great. Well, look, thank you very much, Ward, for, for answering my questions. Is there anything I've, I've missed or, or kind of where, where can we find out more information about what you guys do? Well, we'd certainly welcome listeners to visit our website. It's viavisolutions.com slash PTV. That's viavisolutions.com slash PTV. Excellent. Well, look, thanks, thanks again for, for joining me today. My pleasure, Peter. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.